Since I was here last, God opened up a door for us to go on daily TV. We've been on weekly TV for over, over nine years. We're believing for a daily TV program. Anybody ever heard of Andrew Womack? Well, Andrew started a new network on the internet, a television network on the internet, and um, he asked me to be part of it and asked me to do a daily program, so we started doing, and then, it, then I found out he put me on twice daily. He put me on at noon and midnight, twice a day, Monday through Friday, and that's on gospeltruth.tv. If any of y'all want to watch it, gospeltruth.tv. You can either watch it live when we're actually on it at noon or midnight, or you can uh, subscribe to the channel for free and then watch it at other times during the day if you don't, can't watch it during those times. So uh, my program is called Limitless Life. Praise God. Our, our lives are limitless. People, people often say the sky's the limit. I say heaven's the limit. <laughs> Amen. So uh, that's awesome. We've been getting wonderful testimonies from people that have been getting their lives changed uh, watching the program. And then, uh, how many of y'all remember when I was here last year, I told you we were advertising on Google for souls? Remember that? All right, now some of you are partners, so you're actually getting, uh, you're getting rewards laid up in heaven for every soul we get saved. For those of you that are not, not familiar, about three years ago, the Lord told us in a prayer meeting we were in with just us and our staff, we were praying for souls. Lord, give us the heathen for our inheritance. And the Lord spoke to us and told us to advertise on Google for souls. Well, we'd never heard of such a thing. We thought it sounded ridiculous, but we knew we were here for the Lord. So he gave us instruction. He said, put up a separate website from your Larry Hutt Ministry website. And on that separate website, just put the salvation prayer and then do all the advertising to, to direct to that website. So if somebody types in, how do I get saved? We're the number one position on page one. And so the first week we did that, we weren't number one. We were like three or four or five down on the, on the page at that time. But um, first week we did that, we got eight people saved. Eight people called our ministry and accepted Jesus. The second week, 12 people got saved. The third week, 22 people got saved. Now, I don't remember where we were at last year when we were here. Weren't we at 30-some thousand? Like 33 or 36 or something? I can't remember the exact amount. But, you know, we were believing for 100,000 souls. And so as of, I didn't, I wish I'd have got my IT guy before I came, but as of a month ago, we now have over 86,000 people that have come to the website. 86,000. All of them haven't contacted us, but we believe that the majority got saved. And here's why. We do not get that report of 86,000 unless three things happen. Number one, they have to type in the search engine of Google, how do I get saved? So that means they want to know. Number two, they have to click on our link to go to our website. So that means they want to know. And number three, we do not get the report of that 86,000 unless they actually scroll down and read the prayer. So we know that the majority of those 86,000 got saved, and the ones that didn't, they had the word planted in them. <laughs> Glory to God. So I had to give that report because especially for those of you that are monthly partners, the Bible said that you're laying up rewards in heaven. And I'll tell you, for every soul, in fact, I asked my IT guy, I said, so I know it cost us a lot of money to send out the materials that we send out when they get saved and they contact us. I said, but apart from that, what does it cost every individual that just goes to the website, clicks on it, reads the prayer? And he said, well, after, you know, we set up the website now for them to just go and read the salvation prayer, it costs a dollar a soul. One dollar a soul to get somebody saved. I thought, glory to God. 
So, so later on when they receive the love offering, just give, give a dollar for every soul that you want to get credited to your account. And let me tell you something. We ought to be concerned about our account up there. You want to know why? Because your account up there lasts a lot longer than your accounts down here. Yeah, even if you lived as long as Abraham, 175, that's a, that's a vapor of time compared to the eternity you're going to get to enjoy rewards up there. So every soul you help us get saved, praise God, you're going to get rewards. So I had to share that. If you're not a partner, you may want to become a partner because that's good ground right there is getting people saved. Well, let's open our Bibles to Philippians, the fourth chapter. We're going to read a verse of scripture that many people know. I believe it'll bless you today, some of the things that the Lord's going to show us. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4. The famous verse, verse 19, But my God shall supply half your needs, some of your needs, most of your needs. How many? All, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So God says God, God will supply all our what? So if you look up this word need in the Greek, you'll find out it has a whole lot more meaning than just need. So when, when they actually heard this spoken by the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church, and of course this is written to all us today too, because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for us. But when they heard this, they heard a lot more than God meeting their need. Because this Greek word means need, and it also means want. So when they heard this, they actually knew, well, God doesn't just want to meet my needs. He wants to meet my desires, my wants as well. And then they, it goes on, the, word, the uh, Greek word also means uses, things that you need to use. For example, when I fly to a, a town like I flew here to preach here, I needed a car. I didn't want to buy one here, don't need to buy one everywhere I go, but I needed one, so, so God provides that need according to his riches and glory. God provides that use. I needed to use a car according to his riches and glory. It goes on in the, in the Greek to give more definitions. Uh, business. My God shall supply all your business according to his riches and glory. So if you're in business for yourself or believing for more business, then guess what? God will supply it if you believe it. Uh, business. Uh, employment. God will supply all your employment according to his riches and glory. That's one of the definitions of the Hebrew word or the Greek word. Um, occasion. God will supply every occasion. And demand. That's another definition. And requirement. When you think about occasion and demands and requirements, different things arise in our life. I mean, you, have, you may have a car breakdown, and that's a, an occasion <laughs> that places a demand on your finances, <laughs> right? Or Uncle Sam places a demand and a requirement on us. Well, God meets all my requirements, all my demands, all my occasions according to His riches and glory. So it goes way beyond just need. And that's good to know because a lot of Christians, the way I was raised in church, when I heard need, well, you know, people would even say it, God never promised to meet more than just your need. Well, what does that mean? You don't, you don't need a pet. Oh, yes, I do, Brother Larry. I couldn't live without my pet. <laughs> well, you'd still be alive, oh, yeah, if you didn't have the pet. 
Yeah, you could live. You, you, you don't need more than one outfit of clothes. Yeah, you'd still be alive a year from now. You may have to wash it all the time, but you'd still be alive. You don't need it to live. Come on now. See, there's a lot of things that we say we need, but they're really not necessity to sustaining life. So thank God that that uh, false doctrine that God only meets our needs is not true, right? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that the 23rd Psalm, the famous that almost everybody knows? Uh, it doesn't say I shall not need, so God must want to meet my wants as well, right? They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing, God said. So I was so glad to see God, God wants to go way beyond that. Delight yourselves in the Lord, He'll give you what? The desires of your heart? He'll not only give you desires in your heart, but He'll also give you the desires of your heart. I've had God ask me that before. I've heard a lot of different uh, Christians, not just ministers, but Christians where God actually asked them, would you like to have that? Talking about a certain thing, and they said, yeah, and God said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. I've just, that's the heart of God. He's, listen, God said, if you're a natural parent and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father going to give good things to you, you when you ask him? So God, God, God's a good, everybody say God's a good God. God's a good God. So God said he wants to supply all our needs, all our wants, all our demands, requirements, occasions, employment, everything, our wants according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So my assignment this morning was to stir you up uh, financially. That's what the Lord told me for this morning's service. He said, I want you to um, encourage them in their finances. He said, I'm wanting to do so much more for them. Uh, he's wanting this next year to be your best year ever financially. And since he owns the gold and the silver and the cattle on a thousand hills, he knows how to get it to you. Amen. And guess what? He's even smarter than you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he actually is smarter with, with money. He knows how to, because he's the creator of all of it, you know. And uh, so one time when I was studying this passage out, I was just looking at it and looking at the different Greek words. All of a sudden, I heard the word of the Lord came to me, and he said this. He said, many of my children don't qualify for this verse to operate in their lives. And I, I thought, whoa, my God's going to supply. We, everybody quotes this, or at least everybody that believes the Bible. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And then the Lord said, many of my children don't qualify for this first to operate in their lives. And so I immediately, I said, well, Lord, I want this operating in my life. And if I'm not qualifying, teach me. I, want, I don't want to just uh, be quoting stuff and have it not working in my life. Plus, Lord, you've called me to teach the body of Christ worldwide. So, so help me understand. What do you mean? Why, why are they not qualifying? Why are we not qualifying for this first to operate? How many of you want him to meet your needs? Your wants, your desires, your occasions, demands, right? We do. Of course we do, because he's our God. Well, the Lord took me back to verse 15 and had me read the context, so let's go back to verse 15. In verse 15, it says, You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Hmm. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again to my necessity, not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And then he said, I have all abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. So 
God says in verse 15, He said, They came in contact with what we call the law of giving and receiving. We know it's a law because a law is something that works. God's Word is called the perfect law of liberty in James 1.25. So we know it always works, and so there are laws. When you do something, then something happens. And this is called the law of giving and receiving, or as other scriptures talk about, the law of seed time and what? or sowing and reaping. reaping. So we see that law in effect, and we know it, it's not just in the spirit realm. We know God started it. Uh, obviously, He's the one that sowed Jesus in order to get us, right? <laughs> he, he sowed the incorruptible seed, is what Peter tells us, in order that He would get all of us as a harvest. So God obviously started this law of giving and receiving, but then it was even incorporated into the natural realm. Anybody that's do ever done any farming or gardening or anything like that, you know that you plant a seed and you get a harvest. And harvest is always multiplied over seed. So, so I saw this, this uh, he said, in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church partnered with me, no, no church uh, shared with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you guys were the only ones at first, giving and receiving. The contemporary English version says, my friends at Philippi, you remember what it was like when I started preaching the good news in Macedonia? After I left there, you were the only church that became my partner by giving blessings and by receiving them in return. So this law that we want to zero in on in order for verse 19 to work for us is twofold. It's not just giving, but it's giving and receiving. receiving. Well, if we have to learn to give, and if you've been at this church for any amount of time or in the Word for any amount of time, you know that our giving has to be done in faith because without faith it is impossible. impossible to please God. So everything we do, whether it's in the financial realm, physical realm, marital realm, whatever, we have to do it by faith or it's not going to please God. It's not going to amount to anything. So the giving we know has to be done in faith, but so does the receiving. Everything we do has to be done in faith. What the devil wants to come along do and try and tell, tell us religious things like, oh, well, no, you're not supposed to give and expect anything in return. You're just supposed to give and not expect anything in return. Well, that would be dumb. <laughs> that, that would not be wise at all. Of course, what people try and do and the devil tries to do, he tries to take a passage of Scripture out of context. When, when Jesus was talking about giving to the poor and not expecting anything in return, and so people have taken that little passage and tried to make it apply to all they're giving, and it just doesn't apply at all. Because God said, you give and it'll be given back to you. Right. How? Good measure, press down, shake the other, running. So, so God expects us to expect what the Word says. And especially since He likens, remember over in, in Mark, the fourth chapter, He likened the whole kingdom of God to seed time and harvest. He said, so is the kingdom of God, as if man should cast seed in the ground. Goes to sleep and gets up day and night and doesn't even know how the, the thing's working, doesn't even know how seed's working, doesn't understand the germination process, but guess what? It just works on its own because the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn. Jesus said the whole kingdom operates that way. Marriages operate that way. What you sow into your marriage, you're going to get as a harvest. You sow junk, you're going to get a junky marriage. Amen. You sow hell, you're going to get a hellish marriage. But you sow heaven, you'll have a heavenly marriage. Same way with our finances, same with our physical health. You know, I can't sow Oreo cookies and ice cream into this body all the time. As 
as much as I like Oreo cookies. In fact, I like them dunked in milk, actually. <laughs> I haven't done that in a long time, but I still enjoy doing it when I do. <laughs> but you can't sow junk and expect a harvest of good stuff, is my point. And the same way in the financial realm, you, you can't sow little and expect a lot, right? Over in Luke 16, Jesus said, if you're not faithful with money, how can I trust you with true riches? Because no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, hold the one, despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon or the whole money system. You can't do it. You can have God and mammon, but you can't serve both. We're supposed to serve God and let money serve us. Do you hear me? Money ought to be our slaves. It ought to be our servants. Right? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to money. It is a slave to me. <laughs> That's right. It's a servant, my servant. I send, I send my money out and bring, to bring me harvest. I was telling my brother, my brother, he, uh, well, I was born in 1954, so you guys can do the math and figure out how old I am. My brother's a year and a half older than I am. He's getting ready to retire. And so I just was telling him, even yesterday I was talking to him on the phone, I said, well, you know, you're not going to be on a fixed income after you retire. He said, oh, I know. I said, no, God unfixes incomes. When you get off, get off the world system, totally on God's system now, you can expect Him to start increasing you more and more. Amen. Now, this, this was not even part of my message, but right now I'm speaking by the Spirit of God. Somebody needs to hear this. God wants to make you richer after you retire. He'll give you ideas and investments and stuff you can do. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of God's saying. God is our source. If He's really going to supply all your needs, did He say in verse 19, I will supply all your needs as long as you're working a secular job? <laughs> he didn't say that. He must want to be our source always. I found out Moses from 80 to 120, which see the world thinks, oh my God, elderly, old, no good, decrepit, weak, frail, mentally gone. But God's idea was 80 to 120, Moses did more for God than he did his first 80 years. Amen. There's God's system, totally apart from the world system. So I said, my thoughts are sure not your stinking little thoughts. <laughs> okay, that was a Larry Hutton paraphrase, but anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. You guys always pull out the best in me. I always have the best time here. In fact, last time I was here after... After I preached, I thought, man, i got to get those CDs and listen to them. It was so good. <laughs> I thought, man, I said things I didn't even know I knew. I guess I didn't, but the Holy Ghost did. Praise God. So, he said, uh, you guys have came in contact with the law of giving and receiving. So, I'm always putting my faith out. The, I, my wife and I, we call ourselves kingdom distributors. I'm a kingdom distributor. I distribute finances to the kingdom of God. And then uh, we put our faith out there. Thank you, Lord, all grace is abounding to us, that we have all sufficiency in all things, and we can abound to every good work. What am I doing? I'm exercising my faith. I'm speaking things that I want to come to pass in my life, and I'm speaking the Word of God, and God watches over that and brings it to pass. He goes on in the next verse, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again, time and time and time again, to my necessity. Interesting, Paul uses the same Greek word, necessity, in verse 16 that he used need in verse 19. So Paul was letting them know, when you guys were sowing, 
God was using your sowing not to just meet my needs. He was using your sowing to meet my wants, occasions that arose, demands placed on me, requirements in my life. You were meeting my employment so I didn't have to go work a secular job. You were meeting all those different things that we just saw the Greek meant. He was letting them know you guys were doing that. You were being used by God to do that. And then he goes on in verse 17, but he said a very interesting statement, and I want you to know, I don't want you given to me because I want it. Larry Hutton paraphrased. It's not because I desire a gift. I don't want you given to me because I want it. When Pastor Dave gets up after the service and receives a love offering for our ministry and you get to sow towards souls, I don't want you to do that for me. I don't need your money. I'm already financially free. My mortgage is paid off. My ministry mortgage is paid off. Everything's paid off. We're debt free. Got plenty of money in the bank. We're getting richer all the time. I don't need your money. God's my source, not you. That's why God told us years ago, He said, now I'm going to send you to churches of all sizes. Yes, I'll send you to the churches of 10,000, you know, but I'm going to send you to the church of 10. He sent me to a church of seven. And two of them were me and Liz. And two of them were past. Okay, now you're getting. So, yeah, so now you got the, if, if you could do some math, there were only three people there besides the four of us. Yet God sent me there. And I had a word for those people. You know why I can go those kind of places? Because their giving isn't my source. God told me years ago, he said, now the reason you can go is because their giving doesn't affect your harvest. Your giving affects your harvest. Isn't that cool? So I can go anywhere, doesn't matter where, because my giving determines my income. My giving determines my harvest. So my, my wife and I, we're giving more and more every year. We just keep giving more and more and more, and God keeps increasing us more and more and more. And if it'll work for a little country bumpkin from Odessa, Florida, it'll work for you. Yeah, Leanne here was making fun of me because I had 52 turtles in captivity at one time, and I used to go catch alligators, and she couldn't wrap her brain around that, and so she was making fun of me, but she'll get over it. <laughs> but if, it, if this works for a little country boy from Odessa, Florida, it'll work for anybody. Why? Because it's God's Word. It's all about who we put in our trust in. Are we putting our trust in ourselves and our ability and what we can do and how smart we are? Or are we going to just humble ourselves? Remember, God resists the proud. Remember 1 Peter 5, uh, 5, 5? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So you want financial grace flowing, you want healing grace flowing, you want marital grace flowing, you want any grace flowing, you better be humbling yourselves and understand God's, God's my wisdom, He's my righteousness, He's the way, the truth, and the life. In Him I'm living and moving and having my being. Everything I want to accomplish in life, I'm going to do it through Him and by His direction and unction. Not, not because I desire a gift, Paul said, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So there we are back to our accounts again. Uh, God wants fruit to abound to your account. Now, yeah, you'll get fruit here in this lifetime. The Bible teaches us that, that you can get it in this lifetime. It's going to come back to you. So it's wonderful to be 
uh, debt-free. It's wonderful to have enough and more to bless people and help people and help your church and help your pastor and then help other ministries that you're partners with. It's wonderful to do that, but that's all temporary. But it all leads toward the eternal. So what we're doing now with our money here will determine the account. I want fruit to abound to your account. It'll determine our accounts. You don't want to get up there and your accountant say, well, you sure don't have much, do you? Right? You, you don't want your accountant up there going, well, uh, I know you'd like to make some withdrawals, but dude, you're in trouble. <laughs> no, you want your account full up there, and so it's going to determine, and remember the context he's talking about is the law of giving and what? Receiving. receiving. So we have to do both. We have to be the giver, but we have to be the receiver, because the more you receive, the more you can give, and the more you give, the more you can receive and just keeps reciprocating and, and increasing. So he said, I want fruit to abound to your account. Let me read a couple other translations. The contemporary English version said, I'm not trying to get something from you, but I want you to receive the blessings that come from giving. God's Word to the Nations Bible says, it's not that I'm looking for a gift. The opposite is true. I'm looking for your resources to increase. I like that. So that, that's, that's why the Lord instructed me to give, a, uh, give people a chance to give every time I minister the Word of God so they can build up their accounts on earth and in heaven. And again, why I said we're able to go to any size church that God has sent, sent us to. But God wants us to have fruit, both here and in heaven, abounding to our account. Let's go on to verse 18. But he said, but I have all and I'm abounding. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things that you sent, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So notice uh, how much of Paul's needs, wants, employment, desires, demands, and everything were given to him. He said, I have everything I need, and the word abound in the Greek means I have too much. So I have excess. Already my needs are met, even my wants are met. I've even bought things that I want. But he said, above that I have more. I like that. You know what? I'm going to take another side journey here. This is going to help somebody. Um, one time the Lord asked me when I was meditating and just studying because I knew I was called to teach on this subject. And let me tell you, most places, or I should say a lot of places, if you try and teach this subject, you'll get darts stared through you. <laughs> You know, people don't want to hear what the Bible has to say. They don't want to hear what God has to say on this subject. So it's not an easy subject to teach on. But one time I was in my study and just praying and asking God for direction and wisdom in this area to teach it. And uh, the Lord asked me this question, and it was the one that I thought I knew the answer to, Brother Mark. And he, the Lord said, um, what's the number one reason I want you to prosper financially? What's the number one reason I want you rich financially? Boy, I thought I had this one. Got Got it, Lord. I know it. <clears throat> but you've given me power to get wealth that you may establish your covenant on the earth, Lord. I know that verse. So I know the number one reason to have riches and wealth, and that is to preach your word and to get your uh, gospel preached around the world. He said, nope, that's not number one. I said, but, 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 come on, that's what all of my friend pastors and preachers preach. <laughs> you know, we... 
we uh, faith folk and grace folk and word folk and Pentecostal folk, we all have our traditions that don't necessarily mean it's true. Uh, so I said, Lord, I, I, I quoted Deuteronomy and I said, Lord, I thought that was the number one reason. He said, no, the number one reason I want you rich is because I love you. I, I started crying. Still about to do the same thing right now. I said, what did you say? He said, yeah, number one reason I want you financially free and rich is because I love you. He said, before there was ever a gospel to preach, I wanted my children rich and free. What's the number reason I, one reason I want you healthy in your body? Is it to go preach the gospel? He said, I want you to go preach the gospel. I want you healthy to do that, but the number one reason is because I love you. Wow. Sometimes you just want to stop and say, see law. When you get a hold of this, I had one, one preacher kind of got mad at me when I said that. He said, you can't tell people that. He said, then they, then they won't give. He said, you know, if they think, well, God's given it because he loves me, I don't need to give it away. I said, no, no, actually the opposite is true. I said, when the Lord told that to me and I shared it with Liz and we both cried in front of the Lord just thanking God, and I said, um, I said, it didn't stop us from giving. And in fact, you know what it did? It made us want to give more. Because gosh, every time we get blessed financially now, it's like, God, you love us. Okay, let's just find some other people to love on. You know? Man, that's the good God we serve. We serve a wonderful God. He wants us healthy. He wants us wealthy. He wants us full of peace and joy and goodness and experiencing all of his blessings. So he said, uh, I have all. Now, what I thought was interesting in verse 18, he said, I, I have all and I'm abounding. I have way too much. You've given so much to me. But then he didn't tell him to stop giving, <laughs> which proved to me the previous verse, I'm not wanting you to give for my account. Prove the context when he said, man, I have all and abound, but did not tell them to stop giving. He was letting them know how you can have all and how you can abound course we're leading to verse 19 through all this right so we know that's the goal but we have to learn to get this law of giving and receiving working for us and so he says uh, I have all I abound I'm full received of Epaphroditus everything you sent and then he makes this statement what you sent and it, and it was money he, they sent money and financial provision for him and he calls it uh, an aroma that smelled sweet to God and now that really was weird to me when I read that. I thought, money smells good to God? <laughs> yeah, money. Hold your place here. Let me show you something real quick. Go over to Acts chapter 10. A sweet smell. Everybody say a sweet smell. <laughs> Praise God. So money given to God from a right heart has a nice aroma to it. Not just giving it just to do it, but you're giving it in faith because you love God. But look at Acts 10. Let's start reading in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. And all you Italians said amen. Verse 2, a devout man, so very, very astute and loved God and religious, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, so he was a giver, gave money to people to help the poor, and prayed to God always, so he was always praying. And verse 3 said, he saw a vision about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in and saying, Cornelius. 
And verse 4 said, when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and, everybody say and. You ought to circle that word in your Bible, and, not just his prayers came up to God. But guess what else came up to God? His giving came up to God. And God, it says as a memorial, in other words, God will not forget your prayers or your giving. Don't you think your prayers are just going to go unanswered? He says, your prayers have come up, so don't you let go of what things you've desired in your heart and you've prayed about. Don't you let go of them. But also, he said, even your giving comes up. Well, we're reading over here in Philippians that it's a sweet aroma. So, so in one way, it comes up just where God gets a whiff and said, oh, that's my kids giving. That smells good. And it, if, if it's got God's attention and he's the one that watches over his word to bring it to pass, then I'm glad I'm a giver. Because every time I do, God gets a whiff. <laughs> and, and like you and I can smell a rose and say, oh, that smells good. God said, oh, that money smells good. And we know it's not the money in and of itself, but we know it's the purpose. We're giving it for the kingdom of God. We're giving it into the kingdom of God. They were giving into Paul's ministry to establish the kingdom, even though it went to his natural needs. You know, a lot of times pastors will get up and say, okay, we're taking up an offering for Larry and Liz. And I want to jump up and say, no, no, it's for Larry Hutton Ministries. My board sets my salary, so I don't get all the money that you give into the ministry. <laughs> But then I realized, you know what? God says those that preach the gospel live of the gospel, so my board gives me a salary, so some of the money that comes in, God uh, gives me as a salary, but what I found out is my salary is not my source either. <laughs> That's why I'm a whole lot richer than what my salary has paid me. <laughs> That's, I wasn't able to pay off my mortgage and my ministry mortgage and everything with my salary, but I was able to pay it off with my God <laughs> as my source. So he shows you how to invest and how to buy and sell and how to do things, and then, and then you're able to get debt free. But he said, uh, he said, your prayers and alms have come up. So, um, so when God says a sweet smell, just realize that, all right, when I give, God's going to receive this. It's going to be like an aroma to him, and... Uh, I'm setting myself up for verse 19 to work because this is one of the things necessary. Then he says this in the, in the next part of the, of the verse there, verse 18. We're back in Philippians again. He said a sweet smell, and then he said a sacrifice. Uh, King James, New King James, both have sacrifice acceptable, then a comma. But you understand all commas, periods, um, verse and chapter divisions, that was all added later. That wasn't in the original manuscript. So it's just man's opinion of, of to where the commas could go. I, I believe, and especially in the context and other scriptures, the comma should go after a sacrifice. Uh, a sacrifice comma. So it tells me we can't just be giving what we know that we can live without. Do you hear me? Because then you're leaning to your own understanding. Then you're leaning to your wisdom or your ability. Okay, God, here, let me put my dollar in. I won't miss that. And that way, I'll have plenty left for me. I, I'm, so I'm just going to tip God. In fact, let me show you what I mean. Hold your place again. Go over to Luke. Go over to uh, Luke, the 21st chapter. 
Let's talk about this, because this was one of the things Liz and I got a hold of that I know helped set us financially free, is understanding what does it mean by sacrifice. And I'm glad God finally taught me, because prior to Him teaching me, I used to not like that word. And, and one reason, because there were wrong-hearted preachers that used it, give sacrificially. Now, sometimes they weren't wrong-hearted. Sometimes they'd say that with good hearts, too, because we are supposed to give sacrificially. But anytime I heard it, because I didn't know what I'm getting ready to show you, I just didn't like that. Give sacrificially. What does that mean? I'm not going to give sacrificially. Um, to obey is better than sacrifice. <laughs> I, I was being real spiritual, right? So um, then the Lord took me over here, Luke 21. You guys know this. This is where Jesus is observing people casting into the offerings of God into the treasury. And so he watches all these rich people come up and they throw their money in. Then remember, he, the, then the widow woman comes up and throw, throws in two pennies. We'll just say two pennies just for, uh, for teaching's sake. Um, and so it says in verse 1, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. He saw also a sore, uh, certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth, now, now he's talking to his disciples he said, of a truth, that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings of God, but she of her penury need has cast in all of her living that she's had. Notice it says, Jesus looked up and saw. He saw, so that means he's watching them cast their gifts. If you read this same thing in Mark 12, I think it's like the 41st verse of Mark 12. It says he watched how they cast. So I think both are real important, not just the amount what you cast, but also how you do it. Are you just doing it because you have to, or are you doing it because you have a heart you want to? And so he says, um, he said, the rich men were casting in their gifts, and so this poor widow. And then he, then he contrasts the two. And he, uh, and he says, uh, of a truth. So now... He's teaching his disciples, and he said, now I want you to know truth, because truth is what's going to make you free, right? So he says, here's the truth, guys. Um, see those rich men, what they've cast in? And you see that little poor widow, she cast in those two coins? Uh, she cast in more than all the rich people put together. Now, I'm sure that got their attention, because when you go reading from verse 3 to 4, when in verse 4, Jesus actually explains what he means, and I'll bet you it's because he saw the expression on their faces. Probably when he got done saying, because they're all watching too. They're all standing there watching people cast in, so the, all 12 are watching with Jesus. And so he says, when, when she cast in more than that, when he said that, he probably saw the expression on their faces. They're probably thinking, uh, our master has lost it. He is uh, mentally not computing right now. He probably needs a good nap. We've been on the road too long. Let's go home and get him in bed for a while. I mean, that's probably the look on their face when he says, she's thrown in more than all of them put together. So he goes on and explains it in verse 4, for all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings of God. I remember when this happened to Liz and I. We, we were tithing and we were giving, but then we came to a place where we decided, okay, above that tithing and giving, we were giving into our church building fund. We were giving to some different partners, uh, traveling ministries and missionaries monthly. So we were doing all that already. But then we decided above all of that, we're going to start putting something in every time we go to church. Every time we go to church, we're going to put something in the bucket. And so we started doing that. Well, then it, 
blessed, more blessings came. And so we couldn't stay with the same amount. We had, I remember when we started with a dollar for every bucket. Well, we were going to church three days a week, so that's $3 a week. Do the math, $12 a month. We were doing above our tithes and offerings and partnerships and all that. So it added up, but then we went to $2 a bucket. And $2 a bucket three times a week is $6 a week more. Well, do the math, $24 a month more we're doing above our tithes and offerings, and then we saw more increase. So I remember when we got to $5 a bucket, every time the offering come by, in addition to our tithes and regular offerings, we're going to put $5 more in. Well, that's $15 more a week. Do the math, <laughs> 60, right? So it was starting to add up, but more blessings kept coming. God showed us a house we bought and sold, uh, fixed up and sold, made a good profit, and just more blessings kept coming into our lives. And so I remember finally we, we were doing the $5. We'd gotten used to doing the $5 a bucket, every bucket, above our tithes and offerings. And I remember all of a sudden the Lord showing me this. You're just casting in of your abundance. You're not, you're not doing anything that you can miss. You're not having to trust me for anything. And that's what this means when it says they cast in of their abundance to the offerings. In other words, they cast in what they knew they could live without. So I, we had come to the place financially, we could put the $5 in every bucket and not miss it. We're, man, we are doing great financially. And that's when I realized we were no longer making a sacrifice. We have got to up the ante. If we're going to keep our trust in God as our source, we've got to put ourselves out there where we need Him to come through. I'm not saying you do this every time you come to church. Okay, we'll put a thousand in or put ten thousand in so that we have to trust God. No, you still got to be led by the Spirit, but you're led by the Word. The Word and the Spirit agree, and so you make a decision. You know what? We're just going to stretch ourselves continually so that we're continually believing and trusting God to meet the needs, wants, and desires. And remember, when He increases you, it's not just for your benefit. It's so that you can abound to every good work. He wants you being a blessing. That was the threefold blessing of Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing. So the purpose of blessing Abraham and who is the father of us all, all of us as well, the purpose in blessing us is to give us more influence in more people's lives so that what? We can be a greater blessing. The true biblical prosperity message is not being blessed for me and me alone. It's being blessed so that I can be a bigger blessing. That's why my wife and I enjoy so much giving cars away. We've given cars. We've, we've bought all kinds of things for people. We love doing things for people, blessing them because we've been blessed. I've still got my faith out there to give a house away. I'm talking one that's debt-free. So I'd already had all the remodeling and repairs and everything done, so if I give it to you, you won't have to do a thing. <laughs> Somebody said, okay, I'm in line, bro. <laughs> so, so that's when we learned about this sacrifice. Let's go back to Philippians 4 now. Is anybody getting anything? Is this all right? So, so he says, I have all I bound. I've received of Epaphrodite, the things that were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, a sacrifice. So I just encourage you, make sacrifices. Make a sacrifice for the, when, when they receive our love offering for souls. I mean, really, it's not a sacrifice in a in one sense, it is because it's a. This is what the Lord showed me years ago. Whenever He's challenged us, one time He told us to put twenty thousand in, and it was a sacrifice because we were going to have to go without for a little bit to put that twenty thousand in. But we knew that, and this is what He told us. He said, "Now, when I ask you to make a sacrifice or give sacrificially, He said it's only temporary. 
It's like a farmer when he goes out and plants the whole field. He could have kept back some seed and cooked it for his family and himself, but he decided, no, I'm just going to, I'll make the sacrifice. And, but he knows the sacrifice temporary because when harvest comes, he's not thinking sacrifice anymore, right? He knows his seed was multiplied. And that's what God's trying to get across to us is this sacrifice, it's, it's just going to be temporary. But, but do this on a regular basis and you'll watch God come through in, a, in amazing ways. And then the next word is acceptable. Acceptable, well, we know it's going to be acceptable because we're doing what? We're obeying God and it's part of faith, which is the next word, well-pleasing. Acceptable, well-pleasing. The only things that are accepted and well-pleasing to God are when things are done in faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Right? So I'm encouraging you, don't, don't be a dropper. So many people, when they put their tithe in or they put their offering in, they just drop it and they release no faith. How do we release faith? The same way you did when you got saved. You believe with your heart and you what? Speak with your mouth. That's how you release faith. You can't get saved without receiving Jesus by faith. You take faith. For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. That isn't a gift. That's not even something you have of your own. It was a gift from God. So... So use your faith every time you give. When you do it, at the end of the service, when Pastor Days receives a love offering for our ministry, if your husband and wife pray together, if you're single, then just lift up your voice. You can do it quietly, but just say, Jesus, I'm just presenting this money to you right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, receive it. Bless Larry Hutton Ministries. Or, or if you're doing it for the church, your tithes not. Or if you're doing it like when you have partnerships where you send your monthly partnership, speak the word of God out. I, I do this in my home office because there's certain days, some, some ministries we have partnerships where they just auto-deduct from our bank account or my credit card. But I still, the day that it's done, I'll, I'll sit there and release my faith in my office. I'll just say, thank you, Lord. We are giving into such and such a ministry. Thank you, Lord God. Receive this. Bless it. Cause this ministry to use it and be blessed where it actually goes further than it would in the natural multiply it to him, Lord God, and then I expect harvest, Lord. I thank you all grace. Financial grace is abounding to me, so I have all sufficiency in all things, Lord God, and I have a whole lot more to give on Amen. and to give from. Amen? Amen. So that's what I want, to, I want to encourage my family here to do this. Uh, from now on, just make sure you always do it. Every time you go to church, every time you're sowing a, uh, an offering, it's uh, acceptable, well-pleasing when you do it in faith. And, uh, and then... Uh, it says in verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Um, I think one of the keys here is they had gotten a hold of the grace of giving and the grace of receiving. Let me just show you. We'll, we'll go back to chapter 1 and then come back and close here. Chapter 1, when, when Paul was saying, I thank my God every time I remember you in verse 3, he said, I pray for you. In verse 4, um, I'm confident in verse 6 that what God's started in you, He's going to perform it. And then I want you to go to verse 7. This is Philippians 1, 7. Even as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch both in my bonds and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace, partakers of my what? So that tells me then how they came in contact with the law of giving and receiving is they were partners and started partaking of God's grace. Now let's go back to verse 19 of chapter 4. Look what it says. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. My God. Christine, it doesn't say your God. 
Paul's actually say, talking to you and says, my God's going to supply your need. I thought that was interesting when I saw that. He didn't say your God. Now, wasn't their God, the Philippians' God, and Paul's God the same God? Sure was. And yet he said, your God, or my God's going to supply all your needs. My God. So why is he saying that? Because he's talking about this law of giving and receiving and the grace that was upon the Apostle Paul's life and ministry. And he's saying, now because you guys have partnered with me by giving and receiving, the same grace that God's placed on me is also going to be operating in your life. He wasn't saying, listen, I got this grace and I'm special, you don't have. No, he's saying, listen, the same grace that's operating in me right now, I have all, I'm abound, I'm full, I have too much. It's now going to operate on you because you're operating the same law of giving and receiving as I am. And it's coming because you've partnered with me. Isn't that cool? And then, then we can close. My God shall supply all your needs, wants, employment, business, occasions, demands, requirements, according to his riches and glory, not according to how smart we are, not according to what we have in the bank, not according to what we have planned, but according to his riches and glory. That means God has an abundant supply available. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth and uh, made the gold, the silver, the cattle on a thousand hills, he looked out millions and millions of years, even beyond where we're at now, and when he spoke, let there be, let there be, let there be, and everything was created, there was enough in the earth, substance, sustenance, to sustain the earth no matter how many billions of people populated it. He didn't have to create more air, didn't have to create more gold, didn't have to create more oil, didn't have to create more of anything he knew, he, the Bible says he foreknew and foresaw. So when he spoke and created everything, let me just tell you what that means. It means you don't have to be worried about global warming. If you are, you're not trusting God. You're actually thinking God wasn't smart enough to prepare for that. But I'm telling you, he was. He was so smart, he prepared for everything that man could ever do. And it will never destroy the earth. That's our God. Amen.